Hey, everybody, and welcome once again to the Hey Coach podcast. This is your host, Eric Reyes, and this is the podcast that takes a look at business concepts taken from coaching and the athletic sidelines. Once again, thanks for tuning in. As with many athletes, when the end comes, either playing college ball or professional, there is a period of time when most athletes feel lost and overwhelmed, and they have no idea what they want to do with their lives. This is exactly where Taj Deshaun found himself. From San Diego, California, Taj Deshaun had an amazing high school football career. He was recruited to a couple of schools and ended up playing at Stony Brook University in Long Island, New York. Though he had a full ride for the four years, he did not have one of those great college careers. He had his ups and downs, but he did get himself an education and like many, thought that after graduation, everything would just come into place. Well, that didn't happen. He struggled, was depressed. He knew he wanted a good job. He wanted to make money. He wanted to be successful but he felt lost, overwhelmed, and had no idea what he wanted to do with his life. As he jumped from job to job, clarity began to happen. He found himself doing job placement, and from there, he found that he loved helping others. Taj now finds his passion at helping other athletes through this transition period. Through his business, Thrive After Sports, he helps athletes dominate the game of life. Taj is also the vice president of Self Publish in 30 Days, and he has his own podcast and book, Thrive After Sports. So, for all you athletes who are going through this transition period, or even non athletes who are thinking about transitioning into another career, please listen up to my conversation with Taj Deshaun. Taj. Thank you for coming on the Hey Coach podcast. Thank you for giving me some time of yours. Eric, thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Uh, ever since we had that conversation on Saturday, I'm like, man, I feel like I'm back at Stony Brook right now talking to you. You're taking me back. <laughs> that's it. That's it. We found out that we actually went to the same school together. I only went there for a year. So we started reminiscing about the old times and where we used to go. So it was really fun. <laughs> Yeah, it was awesome. You were taking me back. I hadn't even talked to anyone from Stony Brook in a long time. Or if I talked to my old teammates, we don't even talk about Stony Brook. You know, we right. just talk about whatever's going on in our lives. But it was nice. I'm glad we got connected. This is the first of many conversations, I'm sure. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Well, you are a busy person. Again, you said you actually played football at Stony Brook, but you are an author. Uh, you are a transition coach, which is awesome. And Thank you, you're, sir. And you're also vice president of a uh, self-publish in three in 30 days. Yes, sir. That's correct. Yes. And you have your own podcast. That too. Yep. I got awesome. my hands in a few different things. <laughs> hey, everyone should be doing that. Everyone should be doing that. So first, let's go to your to our <laughs> Stony Brook days. <laughs> talk to talk to me about your football career there, and then we'll talk about your transition. Man, my time at Stony Brook was an adventure, for lack of a better word. I'll just call it an adventure. I was completely culture shocked. You know, I grew up in Southern California. So being out there in Long Island, that's that's deep New York. I always say Long Islanders. That's a different, totally different type of New Yorker, <laughs> you know? And uh, it took some time to get used to because I had never really left my little bubble of California. But long story short, uh, 
like we were just talking about before we started recording, Stony Brook is a very unique place. Uh, I know I'm sure everyone says that about their college, but you see people going on from Stony Brook to do very unique things, very like um, people just pop up on the scene like, whoa, you're doing this? Like that's, I don't know, there's some sort of magic to that area, man. Um, but I loved it there. I had a great time. Uh, I've shared before on, on different podcasts and stuff that my football experience wasn't everything I thought it would be. Um, I say that because I was sharing this with you when we spoke that Hofstra, the school that used to smash Stony Brook, got shut down. They, they canceled their football program, so all the players started coming over. But uh, although I didn't have the career that I envisioned for myself, still wouldn't trade it for the world. Had some of my you know favorite memories out there. I'm still in touch with a lot of the guys out there. And um, yeah, it, it was an adventure, like I said. Well, you know, and it's funny because so many people think that when you get to these higher level, because Stony Brook was, uh, what division were they? They were D1. Yeah, um, like D1, double A. Double A. So uh, F, no, FCS. FCS, right. FCS. Uh-huh. So so many people think, oh, you know, you, you're playing at this high level and everything is is great and that's always great for like the starters and stuff like that. No one really talks about those guys who have that tough transition in from being like the top player in high school. And then right. all of a sudden, you know, you, you're having to fight for time. Yeah, that's exactly it. And um, yeah, it's, it was, uh, it was very humbling for me. I always say I got humbled by life because I went in there thinking, you know, I was recruited by some bigger schools so when I went into Stony Brook, I was thinking I was going to be like the big fish in a small pond. And I think I kind of had this attitude where I was like, I didn't belong there. Like I was supposed to go to a bigger school. So it kind of hindered my, you know, uh, performance. And then, you know, I had some coaches, man, the coaches who recruited me, they actually left. So by the time I got there, I didn't even know any of the coaches and they didn't know me, uh, at least my position coaches. So it was like, it was tough, man. It definitely uh, took some getting used to, like I said, for sure. So now you were there for four years? Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome. Now, what was actually your major? So I majored in communications. Okay. So now, senior year, what was your mindset coming out of senior year? Were you thinking should maybe you should go to the pros or did you kind of squash that? What, what was your mind at that time? So I didn't have a good enough college career to uh, to be on any professional team's radar. So I was fully prepared. Honestly, I was kind of relieved, Eric, because like I said, my career didn't go the way I wanted to. So it started to become like a job almost. You know what I mean? Realizing I wasn't going to get the opportunity to compete for a starting spot. It starts to become like, all right, clocking in for practice. You know what I mean? That type of. So, you know, once that la- once I played my last game, I was just like, ah, I felt this sigh of relief. And then instantly, like a little bit of terror started to set in because I was like, wait a minute, am I going to have to go sit in a cubicle somewhere? <laughs> so <laughs> that was my, uh, you know, I, I, and I honestly, I think I shared this with you that I thought that everything would just kind of work itself out because you know how it is when you're playing ball, the world is handed to you on a silver platter. So I figured, hey, you know, I'm the first person in my family, not in my family, but, you know, I'm the first person to get my education paid for all the way through to go to college. So. I figured when I came back home, I would be set for life. Like someone was just going to wait, be waiting on me with a six figure job, even though I didn't know what I wanted to do, even though I had no experience. So it was, uh, it was shocking to say the least. And I was unprepared. Right. Right. So now what did you do? What was, what's Taj doing? Graduates goes back to, to California. 
and finds out, oh, well, no one's serving me now. Well, to answer your question about what I did, Eric, I struggled. <laughs> so that's the best way I could sum it up. I struggled. I moved back home, um, was really kind of lost. I knew that I didn't want to, like I said, I was trying to avoid going to the corporate world. So I was like, I lived close enough to LA at the time and to Hollywood where I was like, I think, you know, I'm going to start, I want to be in the music industry because I've always loved music. So that was my first initial, like trying to get internships. I worked a few internships for publicity agencies. Um, but really the, what was really going on was I was struggling with my identity um, because I didn't know who I was really outside of the football jersey. So, you know, I was back home. I was depressed because I wasn't making any money. You know, I wake up, I go from living in the living the life at Stony Brook, you know, everything's paid for to coming back home and I'm waking up every day, no income. And I'm looking at my little Pop Warner trophies in my childhood bedroom. So, you know, it was it was extremely challenging. There was a lot of drinking going on. Uh, a few of my buddies who had also gone on to play football, they were back home. You know, all of us graduated at the same time, came home. And uh, I say we had like an extended college. We were just drinking, um, you know, Thursday through Sunday. And yeah, it was a good time. We were happy to all be back together. But what we were really doing was distracting ourselves from like, uh-oh, we're, we're all kind of scared right now. We don't have a plan. So yeah, that's uh, that's where I was. Okay. So how'd you get out of it? What was the aha moment where you said, okay, this has got to stop? Man, that's a great question. I think that the aha moment was, it, it's not even like a moment. It was more like a decision. Um, I didn't like the direction my life was going. And I realized that, you know, I can keep feeling sorry for myself. I can keep trying to mask what I'm going through and drinking all the time, or I can wake up every day and, you know, really try to put myself in a better position. So I, although I didn't know which direction I wanted to go, you know, at least getting a job and getting some income is better than, than just sitting around and watching Netflix all day. So that's what I did. I just started being my goal became to get out of my, my mom and dad's house. I couldn't keep waking up and looking at those Pop Warner trophies. So, <laughs> and it was weird because I had to leave the music industry alone. So I was like, I'm not going to make any money trying to do this. Um, I'm going to have to actually get a job that can, where I can get a check. And so uh, I just started looking for any job that would give me a check so I could get out of my mom and dad's house. Um, yeah, I can, I can keep going on and on, but that's where it started. Really. That's where it started. Okay. All right. So now- at what point did you decide to go into the helping athletes transition business? So I got that first sales job. So this was like a year. This was several years. I had like bounced from job to job. I realized that although I was good at sales, I didn't want to develop a career in sales because I wasn't necessarily passionate about, uh, I wasn't passionate about what I was selling and that made it, made it not enjoyable. And I was just doing it for the money. So I realized that I wanted to start working with people and that caused me to make a transition, make a pivot from sales to recruiting. And I really found my lane in recruiting because I love working with people. Instead of trying to sell people, I was helping people like get jobs and put food on the table for their families. Um, and also I could still be competitive. Like I could compete with myself, like, okay, how many placements can I get? But I'm competing for something that's helping people. And that's staying with that is what led me into what I'm doing now. So what ultimately happened was I built this career in recruiting. You know, I'm, I'm making great money. I had, this was like my third position in the recruiting world. And I started getting this itch like, okay, money's good. Job's good. I'm having an impact, but I feel like I could be doing more. 
and I want to break away from the corporate structure and I want to be my own boss. So that was the beginning of me sort of looking for ways to do that. Um, long story short, I started, I had a bunch of teammates who I was kind of unofficially mentoring, like former teammates, guys that graduated same year as me, uh, guys who were still at Stony Brook, and then guys who graduated even before me. And I'm like, ah, I struggle with this. These guys are struggling with that. There's a need. And so that began my journey of like, number one, there's a need, but how can I solve it? And starting to solve it is when that's when we really things got interesting. That was like 2017 going into 2018. And uh, yeah, I'll just leave it there for now because that's a whole world in itself. <laughs> right, right, right. So let, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about your transition. Was there like something that surprised you that you took from football? That you said, oh, you know what? I can use this. This is this is something useful other than in football. A lot of things. I think it's that work ethic, Eric. You know, you, you know that's what you take away from the game. Like, and like I was saying, I was wasting it. I, my work ethic was like, how many numbers could I get at the club instead of, you know, how, <laughs> you know how much of this? Who could drink the most out of this bottle? Who could, you know what I mean? Like, that work ethic had to be applied to something productive. So it, it's the ability to not only work hard, but to constantly challenge yourself to be better. Um, and that still applies. I started applying that to everything. And then and then also being able to like work with people and work in teams. Like we were just talking about before you started recording, like a school like Stony Brook is so diverse. It's like the United Nations, you know, you got different people. And I always loved that. I even grew up in California in an area where it's so uh, diverse. So being able to work with different people from different backgrounds, um, that's something you get from the game of football. And that's something that's very helpful with what I do now. Right. Right. And I'll tell you in football, you know, I would assume in every sport, but since we, we, we know football, that's one of those kind of sports that when you play at that college level, you're getting people from every part of the country, every color, and you're put together and you're told, okay, you're a unit. Right. Go work together. And that's something that I think is so built into a football player that when they get out into the to the corporate world, they're able to easily work into whatever situation they're in because they're always thrown into that situation. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's um, it's great too because it's not. And, and I'm biased, obviously. Like you said, we're biased. We both right. like it. <laughs> we're football guys, but I feel like with a sport like football you're literally sacrificing your body and putting your, your health at risk. So it's almost that it's almost like the military. You and I talked about this. We might've talked about this a couple of weeks ago where it's like the transition between the military um, and athletics is so tough because you're coming from such a tight knit group. Like you literally go through hell together, you know, two a days and injuries and, you know, um, literally just barely being able to sleep because you're in so much pain. Like what else, what other sport, what other, uh, Thing besides like the military or football do you really get that from so i think there's that deeper bond like i literally sacrificed my body for the guys to the left and to the left and to the right of me you know right exactly exactly so another thing about transition um where do you think athletes either college athletes when they their their season's over or even professional athletes where do they go wrong when they're because when they're done, they're lost. Like, what should they have been doing? What um, what pointers would you give someone? Like, let's say if they're in their senior year of college, and um, they know that that end is going to be near, what should they be doing? 
I think the most important thing, which is why I do what I do now, because I didn't do this when I was transitioning and a lot of athletes don't. Uh, I think because the conversation is more so uh, in, the, in the sphere of influence now, I think a lot of athletes are starting to think about life after the game and getting more prepared. But I think where I drop the ball and where a lot of athletes drop the ball is not crafting a vision for yourself. I think we get so caught up in the world of our sport, right? Not that there's anything wrong with trying to play pro uh, or trying to be the best you can be on the field or on the court. But the advice that I would give is really just to start crafting a vision for yourself and looking at other people. Like I'm really big on looking at people who you consider role models um, and things outside of athletics. Um, and something I, I always, this is my go-to line is like, you have to think about how you want to live versus what you want to do. Because if you get too caught up on, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. It's all about the title. It's all about what other people think about what your your job is or what your role is or what's on your business card or because you got the fancy office or, you know, uh, versus like from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep, what does my life actually look like? So the advice I give to athletes is, and you know, I usually work with athletes after they're already done playing, which makes it easier because now they got all this time to actually create. But advice to athletes while they're still playing is to really visualize what you want your life to look like. And I know it's tough because you haven't really done anything in the business world or the corporate world yet, but this is where looking at other people comes in. Because if you can study other people and see what their life looks like, then those are the people that you want to model and start kind of put the building blocks together that you can start to build something for yourself. Like I'm really big on creating. You have to create a life. A lot of us just kind of fall into lives and Oh, well, this is available. So I'll do this. I'm guilty of it too. This job is hiring. So I'll go here instead of being like, no, this is exactly what I want. Uh, and this is exactly how I'm going to get it and staying in creation mode. So man, you get me fired up over here. Eric, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's what it's about because you know, you don't want to be that guy that, okay, you graduate and you get the diploma and then you put it away and you're like, okay, now what? <laughs> and now you're like, okay, you know, where, what do I do now? Because no one tells you what you're going to do now. It's, it's up to you. And um, right. the same thing with like you, you were saying prior that there are, there's a lot of things going down now that colleges have in place to help you after college, but you have to take that step and and use it. Like they're not force feeding you this stuff. If you if if you don't go out for it, then then it's on you. Exactly. Yeah, it takes work. There's a lot of uh there have been a lot of changes, you know, since since you and I have left Stony Brook and since we graduated, colleges are doing a much better job now of not only bringing people in to uh to talk about it but developing curriculum, which is important. Um Stony Brook has a great if he's listening to this, shout out to <laughs> Izzy, Izzy Fortuna at Stony Brook, the life skills coordinator. He's developed an actual course that athletes can take to start basically preparing a roadmap. So when I look at stuff like that, like that gives me hope that, okay, something's actually being done to help athletes prepare. Um, but yeah, it's, it was a different story when you and I were playing. It was like, good luck. <laughs> it's a cold world out there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I still remember going way back. I still remember uh, when I even went to my advisor, my freshman year of college, I didn't go to Sony book my freshman year, but my freshman year of college, I had 19 credits, right? I was going to this private school, Manhattan college in, River in Riverdale, New York. And I was, I took my first semester. I took physics, calculus, was it physics, calculus, co a computer science course, 
English, and I forgot what the other course was, plus uh, Air Force ROTC class. Nowadays, they would never allow you to take that big of a caseload. But Not at all. But back then, they were like, oh, if you want to take it, go ahead. <laughs> that was it. That was my guidance counselor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you can, you can probably do that. God, I was, I was over my head. Nowadays, looking at my kids, when they, when they went to school, everything was kind of prepared for them. They had what they should be taking, what they shouldn't be taking. And um, my son who played division one, double a, they were on them making sure that they were, they were studying enough that they had uh, tutors available for them. So like you said, it's a, it's a different world now, but you have to take advantage of all that. This is true. Oh, Eric, you made me think of something though. Cause you were saying that, you know, they let you take this huge caseload. Like, Oh yeah, that should be fine. You can, you can handle it. I think uh, oftentimes it, especially nowadays, it's kind of shifted the other direction where they almost make it too easy. And this is, you know, it's kind of like coddling the players. Like they were trying to have me, you know, take basically people make a joke about basket weaving, but you know, <laughs> classes that were that easy, you know, just different things that have nothing to do with your major, all kind of basically like taking home ec in college. You know, this is how you <laughs> sew a button on a jacket. Like, how am I, well, we just want to keep you eligible. So those types of things happen too. And I think that something I'm a big advocate for is making sure that players are being responsible, like you said, for the future. Just because they're not going to overwhelm you, they might try to let you just skate by and do your work for you or give you easy majors. You know, you, you want to make sure that even though some of that may be going on, you're still doing a good job of preparing yourself and thinking, how am I actually going to use this or how is my major going to apply? Or even if my de- my major doesn't apply, what am I actually going to do? Because um, like I was saying earlier, it's, it's when they're allowing you to skate by, you can kind of get too comfortable. So I left college thinking that, you know, for some reason, someone was going to knock on my door and, and give me a job just because I played football and I had a degree. So, right. you know, I just want to throw that in there. I can go on a tangent, but I don't want to do that, right? you know. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Now, <laughs> when did the book come about? How much time we got, Eric? There's a whole story behind that, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got the book right here for anybody watching. Thrive After Sports. That book came out uh, last year. Um, Official launch was December 2020. That came about totally by accident because I had a client that I was working with. This was a former overseas basketball player. Uh, We were like, we had been working together for about a month, really clear on the vision, what he wanted to create. He wanted to write a book. So I started looking at my network for who can I connect this guy with to help get a book done. I reached out to the founder. I'm like, hey, I have this guy, you know, I'd love to set up a referral thing with you in case I have any future clients who want to get books done. So I get the book done for my client. He's like, you know what, Taj, you have a great story, man. I think you should write a book. And I'm like, you know, maybe when I'm old and gray and, you know, I'll write something (laughs) for the grandkids. He's like, Taj, if you write the book now, then that's going to have an impact on the same, the people you're serving, but you'll be able to hit them in a different way. The same people who listen to your podcast, the same people who watch your stuff, but maybe they're hesitant to reach out for coaching or to, to ask for advice. You can write the book and you'll have an impact on people you've never even spoken to. I'm like, all right, all right, I'm sold. I'll write the book. So I <laughs> uh, got started on it last year. I announced it for pre-order in September and then uh, launched it in 2020 around Christmas time. And it's been great. I'm an author now. I never thought I'd be an author, but here That's I am. Awesome. You know, That's awesome. Now, is that Thank also you. how you got into 
working at and becoming the VP of self-publish in 30 days? Yeah. So like, okay. So basically the owner of the company, Darren Palmer, he, uh, he played football at Stephen F. Austin back in the day. And he's about 11, 12 years older than me. So what ended up happening with that was um, I was working with the company. He has an entire team. Uh, they do an excellent job of not only helping you write the book, but going through all, like just making it super easy. You just basically get to be creative. They handle everything else. Um, and so he was like, I love what you're doing, but you're not going to be able to grow and scale if you continue being a solopreneur. And at first I was kind of pissed off, like, but then it was something I needed to hear. You know what I mean? Yes. And he's a football guy. So he told me he was keeping it very real with me. And he's like, what do you think about, you know, I like what you're doing. I see a lot of my younger self in you. And I see a lot of my older self in him. You know, he's a owns multiple businesses. So, and has teams and systems. So he's like, uh, what do you think about coming on board as vice president of my company? And you can build out a sports division of the publishing company. So it's publishing and consulting, business consulting. So that basically allows me to do everything I was already doing, you know, hosting shows, working with people, coaching people. But now I'm able to do it on a broader scale. I'm able to have a broader impact on the athlete community. You know, a lot of athletes are writing books. I'm facilitating their projects. Um, and that I came on board with the company in September last year, around the same time I started writing my book. So that's been awesome. Yeah, that's it's been great. You know, that's that's a great thing because that's something that came out from you putting yourself out there and doing other stuff. Right. You know, it it wasn't like, you know, you were home, some guy calls you up. You know, you're helping someone and because you're helping someone, it came back to you tenfold. Right. That's it's awesome. pretty magical. It is. Thank it, you. It it really it really is it really is a great thing because like I said, if you weren't helping that other guy try to get his book in your book and you becoming a VP of that company would never have happened. Yeah, it's true. I, I think about it. I love that you, that you pulled that out of it because I think about that all the time. It really is a testament to like when you're helping other people, even if not a lot is happening right away, eventually something great is going to happen for you. Like you can't lose if you're helping other people. So exactly. thank you for pointing that out. Oh, no problem. Now tell me about your podcast. Ah, the podcast, my baby. So <laughs> <laughs> I say my baby because there's a funny story behind that too. I was putting out all this content in like 2018 when I first got started and I would do like five minute or 10 minute videos. And then I would post the clips on LinkedIn. Um, and then, you know, I didn't have Instagram at the time because that's a long story, but I was posting those clips and just really trying to add value to people, like talking about my transition um, giving advice to athletes in transition. And I noticed that people were watching the clips and loving the clips, but not clicking to watch the full video on YouTube. And this was, you know, obviously before the pandemic. So a lot, I was like, oh, people are at work. They're watching the clips and they may, you know, I had subtitles on it too. Right. So they can't watch the full video. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just strip the audio from the video and post it on the podcast. So that's what I started doing in 2019. Every time I would put out a uh, video, I would post the audio and I noticed it would be like three, four, five times the amount of people who watch the video would listen because people are on their commutes or people are working out. So I'm like, this is awesome because I'm, I'm putting out all this content and helping more athletes. And then I started actually interviewing my clients and then I started uh, interviewing other people who do similar work. So the podcast has just grown. Uh, it's evolved. I've kind of put myself more in like the host mode. So it's, it's like great for me. Like, I love stuff like this. I get to be interviewed. 
Right. You know, <laughs> I do so much. I interview so many people. It's nice to be interviewed from time to time. Oh, uh, not that I don't enjoy it, but, you know, that's but that's awesome. the podcast. Awesome. It's called and Thrive After Sports. Thrive After Sports? Yes, sir. Same okay. name as the book. Okay. And now you can get that through any- everywhere, everywhere. Uh, okay. Apple, Spotify, you know, wherever you listen. Awesome. Awesome. I'll put that in the the show notes. Also, where can they find your book? The book is available at thriveaftersportsbook.com. It's also available on Amazon, but I always say, so if you order from Amazon, you'll get it faster, but it's also a little more expensive. If you order from me, it really helps out because Jeff Bezos has enough money, you guys. When you you order from me, I get all the proceeds, which means I can pour that back into everything I'm doing for athletes. Also, I'll send you a signed copy. So the podcast... yeah, that's Sorry, the big point. No, that's the big point. You get a signed copy. <laughs> Got to get the signed. Co- I even put a personal note. I just I don't just put my signature and send it off. I like write a personal note to everybody. Even if I don't know you, I'll look you up on LinkedIn or something and write you a personal <laughs> note and send it out. So that, that's awesome. Yeah. awesome. Awesome. So thank you. Everybody get it from the website, please. Yes. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about your company. Uh, self-published in 30 days or no, thrive no, after sports, no thrive after sports, man. Okay. Yeah. So that, and I've started to build that out and this, this is why it goes from being a solopreneur to actually building a team, right? That's, that's the great part that I got when I came on board with self-published in 30 days. Cause now I'm managing the team over there and learning how to manage the team with thrive after sports. But what it started out as is an eight week coaching program. And I'm very intentional about only doing one-on-one coaching. Because I feel like in a group setting, although, of course, I could expand what I'm doing and reach more people in a group setting, athletes are not as likely to open up about certain things versus if I'm able to coach someone one on one, we build rapport. It's a safe space. We're able to have trust. So I've been doing that since 2018, going into 2018. I do eight weeks. And what I do is I take an athlete from being lost, confused, maybe struggling with some uh, emotional issues, just about the fact that you know, that kind of fall from grace that comes with not being an athlete anymore. I help them move through a lot of that. We identify some blind spots they may be dealing with, things that may be holding them back in everyday life. And then I get them 100% clear on their vision, not just what they're doing for the next paycheck. Um, I am happy to get someone set up with the job so they can take care of their bills, but I'm always looking long-term, big picture, what are we building? And then same way the book came about trying to help someone, once their vision is clear, I'm looking at who can I connect them with who is in a similar space, similar industry, who can help take them to the next step so that I don't just stop working with them and then they're left to their own devices, but I'm essentially passing them off to someone who's in their industry who can help them. So that's what my program is all about. That's awesome. I that's That's a unique extra step that I think a lot of people lose out where they go through these programs and they're, they're at the end of the program, they're like, okay, if you got any more questions talk to me. You're actually, you're, you're actually saying, Hey, okay, now that we've gone through this program, let me see who I can get you in contact with. And you're, you're still trying to help them. Yes. Thank you. Eric. You're the first person uh, to acknowledge that, man. A lot of people hear it, but it goes in one ear and out the other, but you get it. That's why we connect, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, such an important. It is. It, Sorry. It's go ahead. So, no, no, go ahead. It, it's, it's so important. And it's such an important step because I look at it when I was designing the curriculum, I looked at what did I need, you know? And then I have all these relationships from when I was in recruiting. So it's easy for me to set someone up with the job. But my whole thing is, you know, I'm, I'm very woo-woo, I'm very big picture. I'm like, it's great that you got a job and you got some income, but 
you know, not that everybody needs to be an entrepreneur and build a business, but I'm saying you have to be thinking long term. But even if you're working in a job, what is your your job going to be? You know, um, exactly. and then that connection part is so key because like I have all these relationships, I want to use them and I'm constantly building new relationships. And I'm always thinking in my mind, like, OK, if I'm working with someone, I'm definitely going to connect this person with that person because I know they can pull them up. So it's really that community aspect of it, too, with like former athletes supporting former athletes. You know, exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, that's not an easy thing to do. And it would be very easy for you not to do it. (laughs) This is true. You know, but, you know, you're giving them that extra step and you're like, look, okay, you've done this eight weeks and we've been together. I'm still here for you. Like, let's see what we can do together. That's awesome. Right. Thank you, Eric. It's actually uh, built into the curriculum as well. So we're actually spending. It's never taken me more than like five weeks to get someone to a point where they're feeling good, firing on all cylinders again, and then 100% clear on what they want to do. So then we can spend, you know, week six, week seven, week week eight strategizing and then also connecting and then teaching them how to connect. Also, you know, the art of connecting with people, it gets kind of lost and a lot of people aren't very good at it on social media. So I think there's an art to it where you have to like, you know, just like how you and I connected, there has to be a human element there. Otherwise, People are too busy to want to talk to you unless you make a human connection with them first. So I teach a lot of that stuff too. And I make sure it's built into the program so that by the time they're done, they already know how to do that. They already have some contacts and um, they're good to go. Yeah. And then also the next guy that you help, if that guy has some similarities with one of the other people that you help, if you reach out to that guy, he's like, wait a minute, Taj, Taj helped me out. I can definitely help this guy out. And it just, exactly. it, you know, it, it just keeps going down the line. Like I, everybody helps each other out. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how it works. And I'm even able to plug them in with things that I'm doing. So like, as I've grown and expanded with the publishing company, I can bring people into that. Like I have a, um, a woman who I coach, she's a former soccer player at uh, university of Denver or Denver university, which however you say it, whichever one, you know, University of Denver, one of those, but uh, shout out to her. She's listening to this Leah Swander. I coached her in 2019 and then she was doing some social media stuff, kind of bouncing around like freelance. And then we had a need with the publishing company for someone to do like TikTok videos and create social media content. So she came to mind. So now I'm able to reach back out to her and get her a job with the publishing company. So little cool stuff like that happens. That's you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So now, which is the best way for someone to reach out to you and uh, find out more about what you're doing? I'm super accessible. I'm not uh, I'm not hard to find. Uh, the best way, I would say, okay, I'm terrible with email. I get so many emails. So reach out to me directly. Either DM me on Instagram at Taj Deshaun. Uh, I'm Taj Deshaun on LinkedIn. You can, you can uh, send me a message on LinkedIn as well. If you message me on Instagram and LinkedIn, I'm definitely... I would get back to you a lot faster than if you send me an email. Um, And if you go to my website, there's a place where you can actually schedule a call. So if if you're listening to this and you're an athlete in transition or you know an athlete who hasn't been able to find their way since they were done playing their sport, there's a a spot on my website where you can book a free call. It's anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour. You can book it on my website. A lot of times I have those calls with people and they don't even need the program. We do one call and they're like, hey, I just needed to kind of talk to somebody or 
I just needed some quick advice. So take advantage of that free call because I'm getting busy. I don't know how long I can keep those calls. Here, <laughs> just to awesome. be honest. No, that's great. That's great. <laughs> that, that's awesome. And um, are you doing any speaking engagements or are you up for speaking engagements? Funny you should ask. So uh, <laughs> it may not seem like it, Eric, but I'm a pretty introverted guy, man. I love, you know, I love having conversations and people like you, you kind of bring this, you know, this, this side out of me, but there's nothing I love more than just sitting in a quiet room, reading a book and being by myself. Uh, but I, I never saw myself doing speaking engagements, but now that the book is out, I've been getting a lot of invitations and obviously they're virtual. I'm actually giving a, a talk to, you know, that life skills course I was telling you about at Stony Brook. Yes. Yes. So they have a, um, they're inviting speakers to, to talk. So I'm going to be talking to Stony Brook next week, nice. uh, and giving a virtual talk there. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking to do more of that, especially virtual speaking engagement. So I don't have to leave my house. Right, you know? right. <laughs> so, as much as I would go to, you know, love to go and meet people, you know, that's that's all great. But I feel like I can have the same impact if they're able to just tune in this way, too. Um, but, yeah, that's where I'm at with speaking engagements. I know I gave you a long answer. on Awesome. That. No, that's OK. That's OK. Maybe uh, maybe the year after, maybe Stony Brook will fly you back to this side of the coast and you can do a, a live presentation. Hey, if I'm out that way, I'm definitely looking you up. We got to go to the, uh, <laughs> there's a few places. Is that, you know, I don't know if you went to this place, but there's a diner, not a diner. Uh, it's over in Seaport and they have a, it's like a breakfast sandwich, but the bread is French toast. Yes. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? I know. I know what you're talking about. Cause I used to go that we used to go there all the time. Oh, I have dreams about that French toast bread <laughs> with the egg and the bacon on it. Like. I literally wake up in cold sweats thinking about that sandwich sometimes, man. So we got to grab one of those when I'm out your way. We definitely will. We definitely will. Okay. So now the last question is fourth and goal. There's a minute left on the clock. No more timeouts and the game's on the line. Give us something to leave with. Mm. I started thinking I was, I started going back into corner mode right now. I was like, okay, games <laughs> on the line. I was in press coverage. Something I would I would leave you guys with, um, and this is this applies to more than just athletes. I'm just speaking from the heart right now. This is what's coming through me. Whatever it is that you're doing in life, just keep pushing. Like just keep planting seeds and trust that those seeds are gonna gonna sprout. I spent so much time going through life thinking like, why is nothing happening for me? Or I planted one seed today, why is it not sprouting? Like that is not our responsibility to be focused on when the seeds are sprouting. If you go through life, you just focus on how you can help people how you can plant seeds, you work hard, you constantly get 1% better every single day. Nothing but good things can happen for you. So that's my parting uh, words of words of wisdom to everybody tuning in. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Taj, thank you again for coming on the Hey Coach podcast. I, re- I really love this conversation. Eric, thank you, man. I appreciate you for having me and uh, I'm looking forward to staying in touch in the future. Awesome. Awesome. Take care. You too. I had such a great time talking to Taj reminiscing about the old days. It's great to see a person who went through these struggles and now is helping others so that they don't go through those same struggles. A couple of takeaways from my conversation with Taj is one, compete with yourself, push yourself, constantly challenge yourself to be better. I think we should all be striving to become a better version of ourselves. Second thing was craft a vision for yourself. Look at other people to see where you want to be and create that life. And the last thing, when you help other people, great things happen. 
Taj is definitely a testament to that. As always, I'll put all of Taj's information on the show notes, everything from the self-publish in 30 days to what he's doing on his own. Please reach out to him. Please subscribe to his podcast, Thrive After Sports. Get his book. And as always with me, if you like what you're hearing on my show, please rate, review, subscribe. Please leave me a five-star rating. Again, it does help other people find my show. And again, if you have any questions or comments for me, please reach out to me at eric at heycoachreyes.com. Again, I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, just keep pushing, keep planting those seeds. Take care.